we're going to continue to read where uh, Donald uh, stopped in the first chapter, verse 19. We're going to continue on from verse 20 uh, to the third verse in chapter 2. God said, let the water teem with living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing which the water teems, with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth uh, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. To all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all the work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on, on, on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. May God continue to bless the reading of his word. As we began our series last, last week, we uh, started off with a bit of an introduction uh, to our series called, we're calling Route 66. And I just wanted to, to go back into um, God's, God's Word in Second, uh, Second Timothy. Uh, and again, we're reminded that, uh, actually I think it's First Timothy, pardon me, where God's, God's Word is, he is it's, his, his Word is God-breathed. And God, God has revealed himself to us through his word. We see that God, God has revealed himself to us in a number of ways. And we will be looking at this, at, at this this morning again. God has revealed himself through his word, through his creation. And the, the most beautiful of all God's revelation is his son, Jesus Christ. So we're continuing this morning on this series, Route 66. And we're not talking about the trip from Chicago to Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Some of you might want to just uh, click out of that mode now and join us as we're going through Route 66 from Genesis to Revelation. And we're not sure what the time frame is. Uh, maybe uh, 
I guess maybe I could just maybe give a plug and say that this series is brought to you by Swoop. You'll never know when you're going to leave or when you're going to arrive, but uh, I hope I don't get, hope I don't get in trouble. But I'm flying with Swoop two, two, I'm flying with Swoop two two uh, two weeks to, tomorrow, and uh, I'll probably get my just desserts. I probably won't leave probably won't leave till Thursday. But uh, anyways, we're gonna walk we're gonna walk through it. In some ways, we're gonna run through it. Uh, but I wanted to remind you as you're coming in this morning, maybe some of you got got these. It's just a little Bible handbook. And it takes uh, just basically every book in the Bible's got a little bit of its authorship, its time period, some of the some of the key key lessons in it. Uh, But we have these, and we're sort of encouraging it. If if you want to take one per family, uh, after a couple of weeks, if there's some some left over, you might want to take one for a friend. But for 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 this for now, I'm hoping that we can make sure that everyone in our church family has one. So we're starting off this morning by looking into the book of Genesis. In the beginning, as we look at Genesis, uh, we, we see those, those famous, famous words, in the beginning, God. And as, as we look at it this morning, um, someone, someone said, if you can believe the first verse of the Bible, you should have very little difficulty uh, believing the remainder of the Bible. The Bible starts off with, in the beginning, was. It doesn't start off that God, you know, the, the God's beginning was. We see that God is, God is eternal. We see that in his creation in the Bible in this first verse. We see that creation by whom? By God. How God spoke. He said it happened. And when we're not sure. And I'm not going to get, I don't want to, do not want to get in this morning into the day, age, age uh, discussion. Um, I want to believe that God is the God of an almighty, powerful God, and I choose to believe in the seven-day period. Okay? Uh, I mean, you can disagree with me, and you can be wrong. That's okay. Uh, but uh, wouldn't be the first time. No. Okay. But uh, you know what? We, we look at it, and his word reveals to us that God created everything. Creation, creation teaches us about God. He is creator, he is distinct from his creation, and he's eternal and he's in control of the world. God reveals himself through his creation. In Psalm 19, we read these words, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And again, through, the, through God's creation, we see his, 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 his handprint, his signature over all of it. A couple of years ago, uh, well, probably, probably more years than I want, probably about 15 years ago now, there was a, a, um, a, a video out, a uh, DVD called Expelled. Some of you maybe, maybe saw it. And it was incredibly, incredibly well done. And uh, Ben Stein, uh, Hollywood celebrity, former, I think, Nixon aide uh, back in the 70s, uh, a very intelligent man, not professing to be a Christian, but went on this sort of journey going, going across North America into Europe. And the whole idea was it wasn't even dealing with calling God the creator, that he was talking about the number of, of professors that had been expelled from their university tenure over the whole idea of claiming that there was an intelligent designer that he created it. They weren't even saying God, just intelligent design. 
So man will try to, try to explain away, but the word of God says that the heavens declare, creation declares uh, you know, God's, God's handiwork. We can look into Romans chapter, chapter 1. And again, in verses 18 and 19, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. And so in God's word... We, in faith, believe that he is the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't matter what your worldview is. There is an element of faith to it. Atheists will deny, it, deny this, but the reality is that they have an equal amount of faith in, in, in wanting to, to believe a position. And a lot of times, it's not that they want to believe their position. It's they just will not Come that they do not want to accept the Creator God. That's been my experience, anyways. There is a poem that was out a few years ago that it's called "The Testimony of Bob the Atheist." My name is Bob. I come from a blob of chemicals mixed as so, or was it a dot compressed a lot? I don't think we'll ever know. Time gave me a body. It's not too shoddy. Two arms and two legs and a chest. Time gave me a head, two lips that are red, and two eyes that are nicely recessed. Chance gave me a nose with two little holes, two ears that shift when I smile. Chance gave me a voice, a throat that is moist, and some hair that I can comb and style. Luck gave me a rump to sit on a stump or anything hard with some ease. Luck gave me a waist, a tongue that can taste, and a neck that turns when I sneeze. Did I mention my brains and all of my veins? and my heart that beats on its own. Did I mention my skin, my lungs, and my chin, and my frame that is made of of hard bone? I credit mutation for my creation. Fate and good fortune help too. My tail is now gone, and new day is done. It's good to get out of the zoo. You know, and we we look at it, and I think it was G.K. Chesterton that said, you know, that there comes comes a point when man will... uh, uh, stop believing in God, and they will believe in nothing. He said, no, actually, it's worse than that. When we stop believing in God, when they stop believing in God, they'll believe in anything. And that's true today for many people. So, so as the church, our, our, uh, our mandate is to take this message of love, but in that message of love, the fullness of the gospel is that we believe in a creator God. He created us in his image, Man and woman in, his, in, in, uh, in the image of God. And so we look at this God and we see him in creation. His distinctness. But creation teaches us about ourselves. We were created by God for God. We are valuable as eyes and we are more valuable than the animals uh, that, uh, that he created we are, of all his creation, we're the only ones that are created in his image. In fact, we were given rule, dominion, that we would rule over the, over the earth and over all of the animals. And so it's just another reason why I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe that something that isn't created in the image of God can evolve into the image of God. We are made in the image of God. And so God's word shows us this this morning 
And uh, as we look into Genesis chapter 1, and we see that this is a very creative God that we have. He's a powerful God. He's present in his creation. As we, as we look at his relationship with Adam and Eve walking in the garden, he is, he's powerful. He's creator. He's the perfect God. One of the shortest verses, well, it's not, not probably not the uh, part of it is anyways in 1 John. It says distinctly, God is love. And when we look at his scriptures this morning, and as we are beginning this journey, one of the things that we need to remember as we're going from book to book, that God is love. He does not change from cover to cover. What he intended was uh, destroyed, well, I don't want to say broken. His creation was broken, tarnished. And throughout, throughout that, we see the effects of that throughout his scriptures. But the one thing that we, see, that we do see throughout that is that there is this ongoing consistency that while man continues to want to do his own thing, God will not stop loving. Oh, there's time of discipline. There's time that he lets man uh, suffer the consequences through oppression and captivity as we look at the children of Israel. And we'll see that in our journey. But God never stops loving. God is perfect. Rabbi Zacharias put it this way. God is the only entity in existence. The reason for his existence is in himself. All other entities and quantities exist by virtue of something else or in the sense that he'll, and in that sense, he alone is perfect, uncaused, infinite, and independent being in, in essence. So again, we look at the word of God and we see in the beginning, God was already. He was, he's infinite. So that's the starting point for us this morning as we're looking at this journey through Genesis. At the beginning, we look into the book, of, in the book of Genesis, and it's called, Jesus refers to, I think it's in Luke chapter 22, as the, as the law of Moses, the books of Moses, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The authorship, uh, for, by most biblical scholars, points to Moses. And so this is, this is where we're starting. In the first book of the law this morning, in Genesis. Remembering this, that in God's word, we see God revealed to us, and as we see God revealed to us, we start understanding and seeing who we are in light of this holy God. We're starting off when we see the intention of God, but sin tarnishes that, but through it all, through this whole journey, from cover to cover, from Genesis to to Revelations, we see that, we see who we are in light of our God. Creation. So that's, the start, that's our starting point, but as, we, as we're journeying through this this morning, looking at this God who's perfect, powerful, and personal, we see that it isn't long before this God who's created his, his uh, man and woman in his image uh, suddenly is facing a people who were created with a free will. The ability to choose. Some people will say, well, why would God do that? I always think of for this reason. Because God didn't want us to be forced to love him. He wanted us to choose to love him. That's my understanding. And you might, you might, be, you might have a different angle. But God created us with a, a free will, a choice. 
And so it's not long as we look into the book of, of uh, Genesis that in chapter 3, we see this is put to the test. Now, it's, it's incredible when you look at it that uh, you ever had someone ask you a question and the wording was, they, they, they're a little tricky, crafty with their words. Uh, you know, they, you've got to think, and sometimes we respond too quickly, and such was the case on a number of occasions of a TV show that used to be on back in the 60s and the 70s. Some of you might remember the television show Hollywood Squares. And I remember that there was the secret square, and the bells and the alarms and the, and the lights would start flashing, and there was this big cry, prize. And I remember so often how people were so quickly to respond. And as they were responding, it was like, okay, take a breath and think about it. I'll give you an example. So one, one day, and there was this, I think it was for a car, and, and the, the host, Peter Marshall, goes, he says, okay, how many of each animal did Moses take on the ark? <laughs> Two. And he says, and uh, of course, uh, you know, the contestant said, I agree. And he said, no, you're wrong. Moses didn't take any animals on the ark. It was Noah. And, uh, okay, good morning. Okay, all right. All right. But there was another, another one. There was another one that, uh, it was the same thing, and I remember watching this one with my dad, it was the secret square and the same thing, and the contestant, the, the alarm went off and everything like that, and I remember that the, the question was, what is the proper pronunciation of the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? And I, dad, it's Louisville. Louisville. So the contestant with the celebrity said, Louisville. They said, yes. And Peter Marshall goes, no. The proper pronunciation of the capital of Kentucky is Frankfurt. Okay. <laughs> and you're looking, you're looking at it and you go, but there's this craftiness because you're, you're, you know, and this is what happens in chapter three. Now the servant was, serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And we look at this dialogue that goes on, and there almost becomes this instant time of rationalizing and thinking, and this, you know, and all of a sudden there, this compromise takes place, and then there's this, the woman is going down this path to taking the fruit of the tree, and I wish we could say that the man was wiser, but he wasn't. And he should have stood up, but he didn't. And what do we see? We see that suddenly sin takes place. And in Genesis chapter 3, in these words of, of compromise, in these words that led to disobedience, we see that there is, there is a test of obedience. There is the violation that, that, that happens the results that are produced, but also there's God's reaction, one of judgment and one of provision of mercy, provision of mercy. The test of obedience, the test of obedience was to do what they had been told. We experienced the fall of what we call the fall of man here. This past week, I was getting up and I decided that Dia was getting ready for work. 
she's getting ready for work, and I said, well, I'll go down, I'll make you some toast and coffee, and, uh, okay. Right now, that is as far as I can go, because you're going to hear the rest of the story. We have six carpeted stairs that go down from the, the top, top floor to the main level. I hit the first floor. Dia's in the bathroom, and then you can look at me, and you can tell right away, I didn't land gracefully. All I want is, ah! bam, and I hit, and I laid there, and I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, the funny thing is, Paige was home a couple weeks ago, and she did the same thing. And uh, so you can see how the fall of man affects all of mankind. <laughs> but here's what, here's what I was thinking about. What was it about going down those six stairs that caused me to fall? Well, it, wasn't paying, it certainly wasn't paying attention. It wasn't keeping my eyes focused on what, what step was next. And as I'm thinking about this, this act of disobedience, the time when, when sin comes into the world, we see that, we see that Eve is, is tempted by, by the serpent. And she's tempted and sin comes, comes into the world. All because she did not keep her eyes focused on the truth. Didn't keep her eyes focused on the God who, who created her out of love and desired that she would continue, that he, uh, she and Adam would continue to walk in the garden. I can only imagine, you know, imagine what that was like. To walk in, in, in this perfect environment. I mean, some of you have had the, had, had the occasion where you've gone to an all-inclusive. We went down to the Dominican Republic a number of years ago. And, boy, I thought that was as close to paradise as I could, I'd ever been in. Long, white, sandy beaches. The food was incredible. It was just, and, and I remember calling it paradise, but you know what? It was so far short of paradise. Why? Because in that place, there was not the communion that the Creator had with those He had created. And out of disobedience, sin comes into the world. And we look at it that we have this creator God that desires that, that his most valuable, treasured part of creation would be obedient to him, would listen to, to what he had said, would have rule over, over all of creation. And yet, the test of obedience was, was failed. Creation suffers from the results of sin. Sin has caused all of creation to fall from its perfect state that God has created. Christians see the world as it is. It's physically decaying and spiritually infected by sin. But we do have a future hope. God's new order, a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no sin, no sickness, or no evil. And I just want to go over into the book of Romans and again, just see, see us focus on a few of the verses that we find in Romans chapter 8. Again, we've read this several times, but I'll read it again in verse 18. Talking of the future glory, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but, the, but by the will of one who subjected it in hope 
that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the, of the children of God. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in, in, in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have, have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our, our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans uh, that words cannot describe. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And so we see that there is this future glory, but there is a groaning through creation because sin has affected all of creation. How many of you have, have, have watched a news report this past week on, on TV? Any? Chances are you, you witnessed wildfires through utter rage, flooding, tornadoes, earthquakes. This one really blew me away. This week. Did any of you see the snowfall in Saudi Arabia? Okay. You know, and all of, all of this is happening. And, and sort of creation, it's, it, everything's out of whack. You know? And whether you want to call it on climate change or global warming, it doesn't matter. It's the result of the, the effects of sin on all of God's creation. And things will be made new. But as we're walking through Genesis, and as we're walking through, walking through uh, the, book, the book of Genesis, and we're seeing... This creator God who creates everything and it was good. And sin comes into the world and suddenly everything that was good is not so good. And so we're continuing on this journey. And what happens? Well, we see that, you know, the things continue to go from bad to worse. We see, the, you know, again, the, the fall is the result of disobedience. And disobedience is sin. And sin is a disease beyond human care. Uh, we all have it. We all have it. This past week, on a number, a number of shows that I was watching, there was different, uh, different um, sort of uh, drives and campaigns to raise money for cancers and different things. And we continue to seek, seek uh, remedies and cures for, the, for these illnesses. And as much as we try, there's one illness that has affected mankind that we cannot do anything about, and it's sin. And it affects every one of us. Try as we might, we can't. And so here is this desperate situation that we are seeing in the book of Genesis, that sin is this universal uh, separation of people from God. And we see that the, you know, that the wages of sin is death. We see that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, in Genesis chapter 6, as God is true to his character, and he's true to maintaining the promise that he gave while he was handing out the judgment in, in Genesis chapter 3, while he said there would be things that, they would, that man and woman would toil and labor for, that there would be a hope, the seed of the woman. And so as we look at that, there is a plan, a redemptive plan, that runs throughout the scriptures. But as we look in chapter 6, we see that things are, are spiraling out of control. 
I think it was, well, I know it was Jesus that referred to the end times. And what did Jesus say? He said, they will be like the days of Noah. And so what was happening at, back then? Well, in chapter 6, verse 1, we see men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were b- born to them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they were married any, married any, any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. So the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and children and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and every inclination of the hearts of his of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, uh, was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind, whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. This is the broken heart of God. This is a heart who's grieving at what he has created out of love is doing in response to the life that he has given them. We see that things were getting worse and worse. Once sin had entered the human bloodstream, it quickly spread and it dominated humanity. Within the passing of a few generations, the entire world had become a cesspool of sin. Things have become so evil that God decides to start all over again. Chuck Swindoll put it this way, because of sin, man has taken the deity out of religion, the supernatural out of Christianity, the authority from the Bible, God out of education, morality and virtue out of literature, beauty and truth out of art, ethics out of business, and fidelity out of marriage. Such is the nature of the world that we live in. Such is the world that, in which Noah lived in and the world which we now live in. And so we see that God cannot take it anymore. And so we see that he, he, he chooses a righteous man who had found favor in his eyes, Noah, to, to, uh, to be part of, uh, of his redemptive plan. God was determined to wipe the evil, the wickedness off of the planet. And we see that Noah would build an ark and he would build an ark, and he would, according to the instructions he had given him, he, would, he and his family would be in the ark. They would take the animals, uh, man, animals of, of, of the earth, as, it was, as the instructions were given to, to him, into the ark. And it would rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And again, some people are going to say, was it a local or a universal flood? Okay. It says that the waters covered the earth. And again, I'll say Universal. I think sometimes in order to try to understand, we limit God by picking the, picking the choice. But anyways, God pours out this rain upon the earth. And as he, as he does, lives are taken. And all of a sudden, there's a new beginning. There's a new beginning as Noah's family would, would come out of the ark. You see, the flood was when God decided to wipe mankind off the, off the earth. Chooses a, a single individual 
so the human race could begin again. Through the ark, God preserved the promise to maintain the line of a savior through Noah. And the flood brought about a new physical order, but it didn't do away with sin. And it's not long after that that we see the sinfulness of man starting to be quite present and quite visible again in Noah's own family. God says that I will not do this again. I will not flood the earth again. But we come back to Genesis chapter 3 and the promise of the seed of the woman. You see, part of God's redemptive plan was that while Noah was a righteous man, he was still a man like all of us who had a sinful nature. He was righteous. He chose. He found favor. He wanted to walk with God. But all of us have a sinful nature. We're born that way. Scriptures say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus is the promise of the seed of the woman. Jesus, the God-man who would come into this, into this world. Jesus, who did not sin, could not sin, became, out, became sin by taking our sin upon him at the cross. And this was all part of God's redemptive plan. And we'll see that as we walk through the scriptures. That through the scriptures, we see that this covenant God cannot stop being a God of love. And we are presently living in the days of Noah 2020. And yet God is still gracious. He's still extending love. For how long, I don't know. I can only imagine that in the days of Noah when God said, I can't take it anymore. Look at the world that we live in. And how much more should God take? He's love. And he's committed that the word of God will go to the ends of the world and then he'll return. But this morning, let us remember this. That we worship a creator God. That we are created in the image of God. We are created by God for God. We are all sinners. But as we experience Jesus Christ, as we come to faith, as we believe in his name, as we receive the forgiveness that he made available to us at Calvary, we can be creation redeemed. Restored. This is the story of God's story throughout the scriptures. Creation, fall, flood. And we're going to continue on this journey. And I encourage you to, to go back to verse, verse 1. Verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. That's verse 1. Verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so I encourage you this morning, as we're beginning this journey, that in your heart that you would know a certainty that in the beginning, God, that you would know the creator God, who has created you, 
The psalmist said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. By your mother, your father, no. You are God's plan. And so I encourage you to engage with this God. We will continue to live in a, during times of fallen man, but we can live in his grace with his love, knowing that there is a day coming that when we will be face to face with him, when those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ will be received by him, will be with eternity in eternity with him, and all things are going to become new. And then for the first time, we're going to get a glimpse of what paradise is really like. Man will always try to do his, his way. to become restored, redeemed, made right in the eyes of God. A uh, number of, well, a couple of years ago, one of my classic Costco buys, a boogie board, which when I brought it home, my wife said, why did you buy that? Part of my fallen nature. Okay. But it's in- interesting because you can put, you can put anything on I can write Chris's name. You draw your face. Okay. You know, I can go uh, Burnley. Okay. So, you can, I, I mean, I can put anything, but here, you know what, I'm going to... I want to show you some magic. (laughs) Won't clear. You see, it won't clear because I don't have the power to clear it. But there's a little power button on the side. And when I engage the power, it clears. God created us. Man disobeyed. God continues to love love us. But he desires that we stop trying to clean the slate ourselves. And engage with the power of salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. Part of his redemptive story. It's the first step. I hope that this coming week I'm going to make it down all six steps. I don't want to miss the last two. But I pray for each of us that as we're walking that we don't miss that first step. And the first step is engaging in the God who created us. The God who loves us. And the God who paid for our redemption. We're going to continue to walk through the scriptures and through it all we're going to see that this is the story of God and in seeing our God we will continue to see ourselves revealed through his word. Let us pray.